So, obviously, we are now at the 16th of February. That's midway through February, which I worked out means that we are one-eighth of our way through 2020 already. And that's a little bit crazy, isn't it? When you think of how fast that eighth has flown by, imagine how much quicker the next eight are going to go. But even though it's already mid-February, for me, it feels a little bit like the year is finally kicking off. So I worked through Christmas, I worked most of the weeks in January, and then last week when I got back from our two weeks away at the beach, it was like, oh, here we go. Now I'm settling in for the year ahead. Let's see what's going to happen. But during my time away, don't worry, I never forgot you guys. While I was away, I was thinking about what this year was going to look like for us as Ham South. What were some of the things that we might do together? And I also began reading through the Gospel of Luke, which I worked out is the one gospel that, while I've probably read many parts of it, I'd never intentionally read it from start to finish, so I started doing that. And I've really enjoyed reading this book of Luke. And it has been especially interesting to notice what particular parts or passages have been sticking out to me. Because as I've been reading, I've been asking God, is there anything in here that you would like me to share with Ham South? Is there anything in here that you're highlighting for us that you want us to be reminded of or to look into deeper? And one of the passages that really jumped out for me was at the very end of Luke 5, um, the parable of the old and new wineskins. So we're just going to read with that now. If you want to turn to Luke 5, verses 36 to 39, otherwise it's up on the screen as well. So starting with verse 36. Then Jesus gave them this illustration. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment. For then the new garment would be ruined and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. But no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. When I first read this passage, I had to go over it a few times because I didn't really understand why it stood out to me. It's one of those parts of Luke that I definitely read before, one that I recognised And I thought that maybe it was telling me that we had an old garment or old wineskins in our midst that we needed to do away with, get rid of. Or I thought that it was telling me that we were getting fixated on something that was wrong or bad and that we needed to weed that out and refocus our eyes on what was good and right. Or I thought that it was telling us maybe that there was something new for us that we hadn't noticed something that we'd completely missed, like we were taking a new square peg and trying to fit it into an old round hole. And I was confused. I didn't know why this stood out so much. And I was at the beach with very limited resource, and I couldn't work it out. There's only so much that the internet can reliably tell you. But one resource that I remembered I did have was other people. 
on Facebook, I'm a part of a group called, I think it's called New Zealand Women in Ministry, but it's a group set up by um, some of the women who I met through Kerry, and it's about sharing resources and praying for one another, other women who are also in ministry. And every Wednesday, one of the founders of this group, she puts up a post and says, is there anything that we can pray for you about? And it's directed to those other women who are also in ministry, who are facing, I guess, struggles of any kind. You can put out whatever you want. And so a couple of weeks ago, while I was feeling completely lost and confused, I thought, look, I'll put something out there, see if they can pray for it with me. And so I put out that I needed some vision or direction or just something to help me make sense of maybe what was coming in this year or what this particular passage was trying to tell me. And a couple of wise women who I've met through Kerry, they responded to my request and reminded me that vision often doesn't come on our time or in our terms. It doesn't often arrive as we expect it to. When God gives vision, he gives it in his own time. He gives it in the time that he knows is right and when we need it. It was such a good and wise reminder, but it was one of those reminders that makes you go, yeah, but I think I really do need it right now. Um, So why can't God give me the vision right now when I need it? But luckily God is also good and wise And he didn't bow to my pleading requests. He knew when the time was right, and he knew when I needed to know whatever it was that I'd need to know. So when I got home from the beach, I was able to dig into the commentaries, you know, do a bit further research on this passage, and find out what Jesus was really saying with this parable. And that really helped me to begin to piece together what God was saying to me and maybe saying to us with this passage. So the parable was likely told over dinner at the banquet that Levi, who was a tax collector, threw for Jesus just after Jesus called him to follow him. So during the course of dinner, the Pharisees were there, there were some others there, and they were kind of pressing in on Jesus with their questions about this or that. You know, why does Jesus do this? Why does Jesus do that? Why would Jesus eat with such scum like the people he was in company with at that dinner? And why don't Jesus' disciples behave like everyone else's disciples and fast and do those sorts of things? And in true Jesus fashion, he was fending off all these questions with great responses to make them think. Like, well, it's not healthy people that need a doctor. It's sick people that do. And would wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. And Jesus is quite clever like that, isn't he? Giving answers to help people to think for themselves rather than just telling them straight. And Jesus is also clever because he can see what the Pharisees are really asking. He reads between the lines a little. Beyond their many, many inquisitive questions, Jesus hears the Pharisees asking him, Why are things all of a sudden so different for you and your disciples, Jesus? Weren't we getting on just fine before you showed up? And it is to that unsaid question that Jesus responds with this parable. I'm going to read through it again. Then Jesus gave them this illustration. 
No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment. For then the new garment would be ruined, and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins, but no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. In this parable, Jesus mentions an old garment and a new garment, and old wine and wineskins, and new wine and wineskins. And if we draw from the context, we can work out that the old garment, or the old wine, the old wineskins, with that he's referring to the Pharisees' way of doing things, their practices that they've had for many, many years. And when he's talking about the new wine, the new garment, the new wineskins, they're really a metaphor for what Jesus is bringing, for the new way of doing things that he's brought about. And you know, I really do feel like I bag on the Pharisees a lot when I'm speaking. Like, I read things, I'm like, oh, here we go again. The Pharisees just can't get anything right, can they? They're just so bad, so wrong. And I mean, the Pharisees, they did bag on Jesus a lot in their time. They certainly were always out to get him, always out to trip him up, to catch him doing something that didn't quite match up with the law they knew. But as I bag on the Pharisees quite a lot, I begin to feel a little bit sorry for them. Like, surely not everything could have been so bad and so wrong. I mean, they were kind of trying to follow the right way. They were just getting a little bit sidetracked along the way. And so... As I was reading this, I was thinking, great, here's another opportunity for us to really get down on the Pharisees, to really, you know, shame them, slam them down for what they're doing. But then I had to read again, and I had to reconsider this first impression that I had, because as I did my research, it was kind of made clear to me that Jesus isn't actually bagging the Pharisees in this parable. Sure, Jesus might refer to their way of doing things as being like an old garment with a hole. But he doesn't write off this old garment with its hole. He doesn't say it's useless. Instead, he talks about how they might mend it. And he might refer to their way of doing things as being like old wineskins. But he doesn't write off the old wineskins as useless. Instead, he highlights how they just wouldn't be strong enough for new wine, but they could still handle old wine. And he might refer to their way of doing things as being like old wine, but he doesn't write off the old wine as useless. Instead, in fact, he points out how much people love the old wine and how they would probably still choose it over new wine if they had the option. Jesus never once implies that the way that they're doing things is useless or wrong or bad. He simply says that there's something new coming that needs to be taken care of. And it needs to be taken care of in a new way. Because what Jesus is referring to when he says new garment, new wine, and new wineskins isn't necessarily something brand new in itself. What Jesus is referring to is the bringing about of the fulfillment of God's ancient plan. Jesus' arrival 
a new way of life on this earth shouldn't have been a surprise, and it shouldn't have been unexpected, especially to the Pharisees. Because the Pharisees were the ones who considered themselves experts at the law, experts at religiousness. They knew the scriptures inside out and back to front. God had said the Messiah was coming. God had promised them a saviour, and here he was. So the Pharisees, you kind of wonder, what's the issue? You should have seen this coming. Why were the Pharisees rejecting Jesus and his way of life so intensely? Oh, that's right, because the old wine is just fine. Thank you very much. The Messiah, the Savior, it wasn't new news. God had told plenty of people in his time, the prophets, about um, the Messiah coming. And he certainly passed the message on. He asked them to pass the message on. Like John the Baptist, he did a good job of passing on the message. And the Pharisees knew about him because they've just been talking about him in previous scripture. Jesus being here on this earth was not new news. But Jesus being here on this earth was certainly something different. And just like the Pharisees, sometimes we don't deal with different so well. When Jesus spoke of the new garment, he said it wouldn't be suitable for the new garment to be cut up and to be used to patch the old garment. And that's because the new garment that he was speaking about was the gospel. The new garment of the gospel, which promotes freedom and peace and is built on grace, was not going to be compatible with the old garment of strict religiousness, which was rigid and condemning and based on lawfulness. One couldn't simply just cut up this new garment of the gospel, choosing a piece here or a piece there that they could kind of jigsaw in with the way they were already doing things and leave the gospel for themselves then broken and incomplete. The gospel was to be received in its entirety. Jesus was to be received in his entirety, or probably not at all. And when Jesus spoke of the new wine, he pointed out to his listeners that it wouldn't be suitable for them to keep this new wine in their old wineskins, because new wine, it continues to ferment and to grow and expand as it is stored. So if it was stored in an old, weakened and used wineskin, then it would eventually burst that skin as it developed. And then that means the old wineskin would be ruined. It wouldn't be able to be used anymore. And the new wine put into it would be spilt and wasted. Once again, Jesus is demonstrating the incompatibility between the gospel message and the Pharisees' religiousness. The gospel is fresh and spontaneous, kind of like new wine. It's always developing. It's built on grace and freedom But the Pharisees' religiousness is used and weak. And like an old wineskin, it can really only handle what it knows, what it's familiar with. Their religiousness didn't leave much room for change or for grace. It was a system built strictly on the law, and the law was unchanging. The Pharisees' rigid system of religion could not hold on to the fresh revelation of the gospel 
and the Pharisees themselves were simply not prepared to. And then Jesus points out to his hearers that those who drink the old wine seem quite happy with it, preferring to stick with that rather than accepting new wine. And it seems like kind of a funny thing for Jesus to point out because he's the one trying to sell the new wine. But it's like he's reminding himself, this isn't going to be easy. People aren't going to take to what I have to give very easily. Because people like what they know and they know what they like. Old ways are easy and comfortable ways. Whereas new ways can be scary and challenging. And sometimes we just don't deal so well with different. But Jesus reminds the Pharisees, the reality is, you're going to have to. With this parable, Jesus isn't slamming down on the Pharisees' practices and saying, I'm right, you're wrong, and then walking away. Rather, Jesus is making clear to them that their world has changed and their world is changing. And what they know, what they're already doing, it isn't going to get them much further in this ever-changing world. God is moving God has come to them by his son Jesus, and that means that things are and will be different from now on. He's highlighting to the Pharisees that something is going to have to change. Something is going to have to be done differently, because what they're currently doing, it isn't going to be compatible with the direction that things are going And I wonder if Jesus is saying something similar to us as himself. I wonder if maybe there's things on the horizon, things that God might be about to bring to fruition that we need to start preparing for. Because God has plans for this church, for these people here, and he's had them since long, long ago. And maybe now is the time where things need to change where God sees the time is right to bring these new plans to us. At a time when we would be prepared to shed some of what we know, to shed some of the comfortable things that we've rested in for a while and to make way for the new practices, for the new way of doing things, so that we might fully embrace the direction that God is taking us in. And I can't claim to know exactly the path that God wants to lead us down. As a church family, as himself as a whole, that's something that we will discern together. But we almost also must get comfortable with the fact that God works in his time, not our time. And as those wise women reminded me, God will give the vision when we need it. We can never forget that while God in his nature never changes, he is always on the move. He is always working in, through, and around us. God is so much more dynamic than we could ever comprehend, than we could ever know. And he's never sitting still. But sometimes we like to sit still. We like to take the weight off and just sit back and relax for a while we might get a little comfortable or maybe a little complacent even, just like the Pharisees did with the way they lived their lives. And sometimes we do. We recognize God's call. We recognize his invitation to move, and we do move with him. 
We walk with him, but we get so far, and then we sit back and we think, well, thank you, God. But we also think, wow, that must be it for a good long while because I need a rest now. But the reality is, is that God is always on the move, and he's always taking us somewhere, and we can't sit still for long. He'll give us the time to rest when we need it, but we can't become comfortable or complacent because God is always there. He's always beckoning us forward and telling us, don't just settle with the old wine. Yes, the old wine might be good, and sure, some parts of it, they might even get better with age, but I also have new wine for you, and it's good as well. It might not be what you're comfortable with or what you expect, but I promise that it is good, just as I am good. And I want you to be prepared to enjoy this new wine with me. So what do you think? Where do you think God might be taking you or taking us? Are there things in your life that maybe you sense God's telling you to shed them, to put them aside in order to follow the new direction that he's calling you in? As the band come forward, and we're going to do another couple of songs, just take a moment quietly to reflect on what it might mean for you to be prepared to enjoy new wine with God, the new wine that he has to offer, and the new places that that might take you.